I think that closing on that 40 unit certainly gave me a lot more confidence to talk with a lot more confidence to the brokers. So it was all sort of based on that idea that, yes, I've closed a deal and I own a certain amount of properties and I'm looking to acquire more very soon. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by Ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams, your win-win maker. But today we are joined with Powell Chi. Powell, how are you today? I'm doing great, Adam. Great. A little bit about Powell is he has a full-time job. Yes, he has a full-time job. That's correct. And while he's had a full-time job, he's found a way to buy a couple of houses and over a hundred multifamily doors. So we're going to learn a lot about creative strategies that it takes to be able to get into this business, even when you have a full-time job. There really is no excuse. Am I right with that? That's absolutely correct. Good. Get in no matter what. Good, because you're not allowed to say that I'm wrong on the podcast. (laughs) That'd be the quickest interview ever. (laughs) So really interesting stuff. He lives in Los Angeles, California, and we are going to save one of his creative deals to the very, very end. It gets crazy. Yes, he bought it with credit cards. Yes, he did the cash out refi. Yes, he's making over 30% returns now. It worked out, making a couple hundred bucks a month. So I'm really excited to get into that deal. There is no excuse. It doesn't matter if you've got the money. It doesn't matter if you have the experience. And it doesn't matter if you have a full-time job. You can do this business. So with that said, Powell, bring us up to speed. Why did you ever get into real estate in the first place? When I look back as far as uh, when I started, which was you know probably about five years ago, just looking at the different avenues of way to become financially free. So certainly inspired by Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are. And um, But I read that book a long time ago, long time ago. And it wasn't until I would say maybe that five-year period ago where I started thinking about actually, how could I do this while still living in Los Angeles? Because you know, when you live in Los Angeles or the Bay Area, which is where I used to live, and you just find out that like, hey, how am I going to buy a $600,000 house and try to rehab it and things like that? It's, I, I don't know. I just, I just didn't really feel like I was on that path where I could do that. But when I started looking out of state, that's what really propelled me where I really started creatively thinking, okay, how could I do this out of state? Other people are on are doing it. How can I do it? And that's what really got me into, hey, this is actually a solution that can happen in my life and I can make this happen and this can be a good thing for me and, and something that I was very inspired by by Robert Kiyosaki a long time ago could actually happen when I started thinking about it. All right, perfect. I want to touch on a couple of things that you just mentioned because I will say this on almost every podcast episode because without even queuing you up, Powell, you said something that we bring up on the podcast nearly every day and you use the verbatim twice. So we're talking about you live in LA and you're trying to figure out how to get into the prop into you know buying properties. So you said mm-hmm. to yourself first, quote, how can I do this while living in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. And then you said, well I figured out I could go to out of state. I had to get some creative thinking and then you said again, how can I go out of state? So I just I think that's important because a lot of people they say, "Oh, well I can't because I live in Los Angeles." Oh, I can't because mm-hmm. I have a full-time job. Oh, I can't because I'm only 18 years old. Well, just mm-hmm. switch that around a little bit and ask yourself, well, how can I? 
how can I buy out of state? And you figured out a way. So let me tell, ask you, um, tell us a little bit more about what was the answer to how can you go out of state? What was your answer? And help us out if any listener might be thinking to, to themselves right now, I couldn't do that. Give them the, the benefit that you got. Sure. And, and, you know, and a lot of it was honestly listening to podcasts. That's really where I started was listening to podcasts. And you find out on a podcast that people, yes, they're investing within their, say, two-hour radius of where they live. But there are other people who are investing out of state, across the country, some are even across the world. You know, and so you start to see like, hey, these people are doing it. And then you start to develop a pattern of, okay, how did they do it? Is that something that I could do? Where do I see myself? And then you start to really feel, hey, if they can do it, I'm probably as smart or as dumb as they are, and I could probably do it too, right? So, you know, if I just kind of put my nose to the grindstone, I can make this happen. And that's, that's really what drove me. And once you find that, like, I can do this, and you really get that confidence that I can do it, they can do it, I can do it, I'm sure many other people can do it, let me just go to work at it. And once you start to go to work at it, you start to find connections, you start to find resources, you start to find other people that can uh, inspire you or just give you little tips here and there to, to propel you. And then pretty soon you're just right on that path of putting out an offer, putting out, you know, closing out, getting a contract and then, you know, closing a deal. And all of a sudden you're investing out of state and it can happen really quickly. How many years from the time we're recording, how many years ago did you get involved into real estate investing? So real estate investing in general, I would say five years ago, I probably started around 2013, but I was doing something very different. Um, My brothers and my dad and I were all in different cities, but we all were looking at real estate investing and thinking about it different ways we were doing it. My dad had some rental properties. My brother was uh, looking at things. I was like, what am I going to do wholesaling? Am I going to do, you know, what am I going to do? And my brother came together and said, hey, let's, let's all do this thing. Let's he figured out a way to do some private lending in the Bay Area. And at that time, I was just going to raise money. So I was just a capital raiser. And so I was raising money for his deals. And then in about 2000, it was going well. And then just, I would say real estate, private lending sort of dried up in the Bay Area at that time. And then in about 2015, around that time, I just decided like, hey, you know what? I really want to own property. I don't really want to just just do private lending. I really want to own property. So I started, that's when I started and I bought my first property in 2015. And then since then have bought my other properties. All right. So my question is on the very last property that you did, just Mm -hmm. the most recent acquisition. Can you tell us a little bit about that deal? Yeah, sure. So the, my most recent acquisition was closed in January of 2018. So not too long ago, 61 unit property in Indianapolis closed on that with three other partners and so friends and family that I know of who had been seeing me uh, develop my skills and develop myself as a real estate investor. And then they, at this point, they decided, hey, you know what, their next deal I would like to get in on. And so, yeah, that's, that's my latest one. And um, that's the biggest one that you bought so far or not? That is the biggest one I've bought so far. What made you feel comfortable to buy a 61 unit in Indianapolis? Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, there are certain steps, obviously you go through to, to get to, but 
you know, it would be small, small steps in the beginning and then gradually getting bigger and bigger. And then as you get more and more comfortable, you also develop more skills. But my network in, in specifically Indianapolis grew. And so I got became seen as a person that will, as a closer to the brokers. I could talk to them a lot more about what properties I own and, and what areas I own in. Lenders were a lot more interested in what I was doing and, and wanted to get involved. Property management, same thing. They wanted to, They wanted to be involved, wanted to see what I was doing and wanted to and so you just grow your network and then you also grow a network of people who are also interested in what you're doing and they potentially want to come in with you. And so you just, with all of that, that all takes some time and that, that's what came to fruition in my last project, but that's kind of where it, where it all happened from. Great. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. We will be getting into the final five in not too long, but I want to understand a little bit more about this, you getting into Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Did you... Before this 50, 61 units that you bought in Indy, what did you mm-hmm. already own in Indianapolis? Sure. And I'll, and I'll just kind of chronicle how, how things went. So, you know, but my first property was a single family house in Kansas City in 2015. And then after that single family house, I bought a 40 unit apartment building in Indianapolis. I mean, that closed in January of 2017. And in the meantime, I bought a single family house in Memphis. I, th- I think, honestly, I was just kind of bored at that time. I was like, just wanted to do something. But then I bought a 61 unit. Then that brought me to the 61 unit apartment building, January 2018. So previous to that, that's what brought me to that. So I would say having that experience and buying a, a 40 unit building in Indianapolis really was what set me on that path of, okay, this is sort of my baseline now. And now I can go from here. I know um, being able to close that really certainly helped me and gave me a sort of that reputation as a person that can close and a person that can get things done. Certainly don't know everything and not, not that I'm trying to say that I know everything and I'd certainly not that person, but, but seen as a person that would, can get, get something done. All right. So the first 40 unit, mm-hmm. you said already that you had three partners in the 61. How many partners mm-hmm. did you have in the 40? So it's just me and my dad. It's and just me and my dad. So who was in the 61? Close friends and family, all people I've known for, say, a decade or more. Or was, your dad is, was your dad involved in that one? Yeah, he came in that one as well. Too. Okay. And then was this one syndicated? Which ones were syndicated? So they're not syndicated, so they're just with partners. So the first one was, was no, it was really just me and my dad. And uh, it's really just, most of it is me. Like I'm the one that signed on the loan and, and everything like that. So I didn't want my dad to sign on the loan. Obviously, it's my first apartment building. It's a 40 unit. I'm not certainly going to make mistakes, going to make, you know, have learning curves and things like that. I didn't want my dad to be the one signing on the loan for that, that type of thing. And I also didn't want to take on other partners at that time. There was some people that were interested, but I didn't really want to take on any, any partners. And then the second one is a partnership basically with the other, with the other partners that are in it. So although I run it and it's really, most of the decisions are going to be made by me with bouncing off, you know, off of them and just making sure that that's what they want to do. But it's not their field. Real estate investing is not their field. They all have either full-time jobs or have something else that they're going on. That, so they're just, this is something that they want to get involved in, but it's not something that they are expert in. They, they really want to have a, a really a lot of input, especially on the small stuff. They don't really want to do anything with that. Where did you get the equity for the 40 unit? So that was just me, uh, me and my dad that had that. So I, I used some of a, a 401k that I had previously liquidated that 401k that I had. Yeah. I just had, you know, savings and things like that from previous jobs. And How much was the equity that you needed? 
So that one, uh, the purchase price was 820,000. So 820,000 for 40 units. And then let's see the equity I raised for that. So I raised, um, so between me and my dad, it was about $180,000 that we needed to come up with. And now, so all I was going to say for your listeners and, and things like that, you know, one, one mistake I did on that is that I, I really just raised the, the down payment and I didn't really raise or bring in enough money for any capital repairs. And obviously there was going to be things that needed to be fixed on the property. The exterior is, is actually in very good condition. The interiors though are, I would say are big, heavy turns. They're pretty bad. They're pretty poor shape. So every turn is pretty heavy. So I haven't, you know, through now, the property is basically breaking even. And it's about that, that point where it's now going to start to turn around because I've turned about 25 of the 40 units during this time. But that's a slow process. You know, that's a year and eight months or so, a year and nine months that we're talking about. So that's 18 months, at least that we're talking about as far as me trying to turn it and the property just cash, you know, not necessarily cash, a little, little, very little, but basically all the money that is profit is going back into the property. And that's a mistake that I, I made. You know, I should have raised more money or brought in more money for those capital repairs in the beginning so that I could turn this building around faster. And, you know, I kind of knew it, but I kind of wanted to get in it something right away. And I thought this was a great, pro- you know, great opportunity for me. But um, certainly something that I don't do anymore. I don't recommend for your, any of your listeners, if they're going to come in, don't just raise the money just enough to close the property and then try to eat out of the cash flow to, to pay off every month. That's, it's a very slow process. It's not what you want to do. Don't follow my, don't follow my example in that way. But it, so that's something that I'm still doing, you know, dealing with on that property. So how much is it worth now? It's been a year, a little over a year and a half. Yeah, a year, a year and a half. So it's, you know, I would say it's when I bought it for about 820, I would say it's, it's a little under a million is what I would say it's probably at right now. Although where I am still breaking even, I'm, we've increased the rent. So our income has significantly increased. We've done a great job as far as getting the units rented, increasing the rent and the units. So the expenses are still a little bit high on that property. And once we can get it more stabilized, more uh, turnover, units and not get such heavy turns, it'll, it'll be, the NOI will go up significantly because I'll decrease the expenses. Wow. Great. Thanks for going in that, going sure. over that. So on the next one, the 61 unit, what was the purchase price on that? That one was 1.3 million. Okay. Did you get a non-recourse loan? Yes. Um, so that one though, right now is, is a bridge loan. So it's a bridge loan that I have for basically a two-year bridge loan with one year of guaranteed payments and um, with the idea that within this one to two-year period that I will be able to take them out with, uh, with agency debt. So that's, that's the plan right now. What does the guaranteed payments mean? Does that mean that they took a certain amount into the loan and put it into like a separate account so that they can just draw from it or what? No, uh, I guess how it works is, is, is basically instead of having a prepayment penalty, they just their prepayment penalty means we will that I'm that they are guaranteed one year's worth of payments. So if I refinance them out at nine months, they're still going to get three months worth of payments in addition, even though they're not no longer on the loan. So just okay. one year of guarantee. Makes sense. Okay, cool. A lot of a lot of good info. And so is that a non-recourse or a recourse bridge? That is a non-recourse bridge loan. Where did you get that? That was uh, through my mortgage broker uh, sourced it. And it's a company actually down here in Irvine, but I didn't know them beforehand. So I went through a mortgage broker 
and he was able to source that non-recourse bridge loan. Got it. Cool stuff. Thanks for going over that. And then sure. we've got the other questions that I had is when we started getting into the 61 unit, you said you built up credibility with brokers. Is it just because you closed on a 40 unit or is there another reason? I think that closing on that 40 unit certainly gave me a lot more confidence to talk with a lot more confidence to the brokers. So it was all sort of based on that idea that yes, I've closed a deal and I own a certain amount of properties and I'm looking to acquire more very soon. And that gives you a certain amount of confidence when you're talking to a broker that you can speak with authority. So I would say it may be based on the idea that yes, I have certain under control, but you could not have that under under your belt and still if you could come with that confidence, you could still work your way to having a good relationship with brokers to where they would want to work with you and source you deals. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're going to do the final five, but we need to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. Pal Chi, what is the most creative deal you've ever done? So the most creative deal I've ever done I would say is my first deal. So my first deal was uh, the house I bought in Kansas City, 2015, end of 2015. That property, I basically purchased in all cash and I got that cash from credit cards. So I basically did all these balance transfers and ended up with a lump sum of cash that I purchased a house for about $92,000 in Kansas City. And then it, right away, it, it appraised right then for 121000 So I was able to get a loan or, the, or a refi on it for 84000 So I basically took out, I paid that 92000 in cash. I was able to get back $84,000. So I only had, eight, I only have $8,000 in, into that property. And right now that property cash flows at about $200 a month. Cash flows at $300, but I just take out $100 just to save for you know maintenance and any, any cap, CapEx I'll have. But so say $200 a month, I only put in $8,000 and it's like 30% just cash on cash right there. That's not including the $4,000 loan, but right now it's valued at about $140,000. So I think it's pretty good. I wish I could do more of those, but it's pretty good. That's really cool. And uh, we said, or what you told me before we even kind of got started was just seeing seeing this kind of miracle come together for you and the great returns. And I guess this first deal is really what kind of made you say, you know what, even though I have a full-time job, I think I can make it in this business. Is that right? Absolutely. Because you don't need to hit a home run like your first one. I mean, obviously I got really lucky and I, you know, it just, it happened to be that I, I got lucky and I did it and I, mean, it worked out really well. But even if I took half, even if I got half of what I what I'm getting right now, I mean, it's still great return. You're still talking 15%. So, I mean, and then when you start to see that, that, hey, I don't even have to do as good and I can still get 15%. And, I, and then let me talk about like owning the property and all the benefits of owning a property. 
And then quickly, what happened with me is I, you start seeing, hey, well, I might want to scale up a little faster than buying one house a, a year or something like that. Uh, so you start to really think, think hey, I, I got the confidence that I can do this. I did it out of state. It's doing really well. Let me step up and get uncomfortable a little bit and you know, go buy an apartment complex and, and make something like that happen. So that's what really propelled me and really got me on this path. Thanks for going into that. What about a book? What, what book do you recommend? You know, the books I recommend, um, I already talked about Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, you know, a great book for your listeners. I'm sure that I've heard that before. But the book that I'd like to say is um, The Morning Miracle by Hal Alrod. I think that's a great book, especially if you're looking for to be more productive and have, being a, a person that can, can get things done, be or, very organized, waking up. You know, I used to wake up early and just look at my phone and like check Facebook or, you know, check YouTube or something like that. And I just waste like an hour just sitting in bed. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I waking up early just so I can look at my phone? That doesn't make sense. So once I found the Hal Elrod's book and kind of put some structure to it and some hints about how, how to wake up early, I mean, really significant differences in my, happened in my life. And, and at this point, I'm getting close to about a thousand days consecutive, like never missing. So uh, getting close to that period of where I can celebrate that thousand day period of never missing uh, a, a day of morning miracle, miracle morning. That's pretty cool. All right. I love it. Thank you for going over that. So let me just ask you one specific thing that you got that, that is helping you in your business or in your life because of the Miracle Morning. Just name one. Just name one. You know, really? Okay. So one thing that I did, well, let me see. Let me backtrack on that. I would say probably the thing that helps out the most really for me is the meditation in the morning. It helps me really to sort of clear my mind in the morning and put me in a, in a, in a good spot to feel like the day is going to be a great day and, I can, um, and I'm going to achieve what I want to achieve, whatever to-do list or goals that I have set for that day that I'm, that I'm on the right path. And I'm not scrambling, you know, I, my alarm didn't go up and I'm, oh, I got to, I got to get up. I'm late and, and this and that. And, and like, oh, I got to eat breakfast. I didn't eat breakfast. I, I'm running. I forgot my water, forgot my books or whatever it is that like, you don't want to scramble like that in the morning. It's just, a, but to wake up with a, clear mind, fresh, knowing that, you know, you're setting the intentions on the day and what you're going to do. I mean, I think is, is really a game changer for a lot of people. Where were you five years ago? Five years ago, I was just starting, you know, just, just learning, just got into podcasts, uh, reading forums, meeting people, going to meetups, a lot of things like that. Just, just, just starting and, and trying to get involved in learning about real estate. And so in the last five years, you've bought a couple single family houses and a couple large apartment buildings. That's, that's great. Where will you be in five years from today? Yeah. I mean, when I look at five years from today, my plan, I guess I give myself a six year plan, but uh, in that, in that five to six year plan is I, I plan to have a thousand, a thousand units. So I have this thousand units. I think that I'll, I'll be on track and that will sort of propel my life to what my whole goal in my life is to live the extraordinary life. And whether that's with my family, my friends, my fitness, and you know, having fun, uh, faith, things like that, that I just want to um, have all those facets of my life, you know, just living the extraordinary life. And that's, that's what I think will, where I'll be propelling myself to that, to that point. Great. And with your thousand units in five to six years, how many of those are going to be syndicated? None of them? Question I would say all of them will probably be syndicated at that point, unless okay. I'm buying it just for myself. And, and, but I, I would say that we're probably all going to be syndicated. Okay. So the next one you buy is going to be your first syndication. Mm -hmm. yes. And 
do you take education for syndication? Just, just curious. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm involved in different mentoring groups, um, you know, different masterminds that we're, we're in and, and things like that. You know, it's, uh, so certainly, certainly involved with uh, educating myself, meetups and things like that. So absolutely. Yeah. And I, I forgot to share this with the listener, but um, we are in a mastermind called Multifamily Boardroom and mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of heavy hitters in there. So. Absolutely. I'm so glad I'm part of that. You know, it was a great chance to meet you there. Absolutely. Along with 30 other people that were just, you know, really crushing it in terms of multifamily or whatever their field was. I mean, just absolutely. It was a great, great time. Looking absolutely. forward to the next one. All right. So how do you give back? Sure. When I, you know, when I look at the giving back, I was really heavily involved with athletics growing up for a long time. And so for a long time, I've basically volunteered as a coach and given my time as a coach. Although I've had to, I've had to cut back that, cut that back a little bit lately, but that is something that I certainly enjoy doing. Great. Thank you so much for going into that. Powell, thank you for coming on the, on the podcast. Really appreciate you going over your journey from the first one, the second one, the third and the fourth. Uh, large ones and kind of what was going through in your mindset, how you add credibility to brokers, but not just that, but having a little bit more credibility in your own mindset when you're talking to brokers, the confidence that you need. All this is really, really good information. I especially like that when you were thinking about wanting to get involved into real estate, you asked the word, how can I, and you figured out a way to kind of get into some out-of-state rentals and Thank you for going over that deal with creative financing, pulling a whole bunch of credit cards together using a little bit of the cash that you had saved up. And I like the way that it worked out for you. It's, it's really incredible what you've done. And I encourage a listener to kind of reach out to you. Thanks for coming on. And until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.